one chapter one of clara vaughan volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by lynn thompson clara vaughan volume one by r d blackmore book one chapter one I do not mean to describe myself already I feel that the personal pronoun will appear too often in these pages I shall attempt to hide them no more than would those beloved ones Enough of this the story I have to tell is strange and short as my own its preamble The day when I was ten years old began my serious life it was the 30th of December 1842 and proud was the kiss my loving father gave me for spelling writing and pronouncing the date in english french and italian no wonderful feat it is true for a clever child well taught but i was in no means a clever child and no one except my father could teach me a single letter when after several years of wedlock my parents found new joy in me their bliss was soon overhung with care they feared but durst not own the fear lest the wilful, passionate, loving creature on whom their hearts were wholly set should be torn from their love to a distance greater than the void of death, in a word, should prove insane. At length they could no longer hide this terror from each other. One look told it all, and I vaguely remember my hazy wonder at the scene that followed. Like a thief, I came from the corner behind the curtain loops and trembled at my father's knee for him to say something to me Then frightened at his silence a thing unknown to me I pulled his hands from before his eyes and found hot tears upon them I Coaxed him then and petted him and felt his sorrows through me Then made believe to scold him for being so naughty as to cry but I could not get his trouble from him and he seemed to watch me through his kisses Before I had ceased to ponder dreamily over this great wonder a vast event for a child of seven diverted me Father mother and Tooty, for so I then was called Were drawn a long way by horses with yellow men upon them from enlarged experience I infer that we must have posted in London here among many marvels i remember especially a long mysterious interview with a kind white-haired old gentleman who wore most remarkable shoes he took me upon his lap which seemed to me rather a liberty then he smoothed down my hair and felt my head so much that i asked if he wanted to comb it having made up my mind to kick him if he dared to try such a thing then he put all sorts of baby questions to me which I was disposed to resent having long discarded cock robin and little red riding hood Unconsciously too I was moved by nature's strong hate of examination But my father came up and with tears in his eyes begged me to answer everything Meanwhile my mother sat in a dark corner as if her best doll was dying with its innate pugnacity my hazy intellect rose to the situation and I narrowly heeded everything Now go my dear the old gentleman said at last you are a very good little girl indeed That's a great lie I cried for I had learned bad words from a flighty girl taken rashly as under nurse 
the old gentleman seemed surprised and my mother was dreadfully shocked my father laughed first then looked at me sadly and i did what he expected i jumped into his arms at one word from him i ran to the great physician and humbly begged his pardon and offered him my very dearest toy he came up warmly and shook my father's hand and smiled from his heart at my mother allow me mrs vaughan allow me my dear sir to congratulate you cordially the head is a noble and honest one it is the growth of the brain that causes these little commotions but the congestion will not be permanent the fits that have so alarmed you are at this age a good symptom in fact they are nature's remedy they may last for seven years or even for ten of course they will not depart at once but the attacks will be milder and the intervals longer when she has turned fourteen for the intellect you need have no fear whatever only keep her quiet and never force her to learn she must only learn when it comes as it were with the wind she will never forget what she does learn hereupon unless i am much mistaken my father and mother fell to and kissed and hugged one another and i heard a sound like sobbing then they caught me up and devoured me as if i were born anew and staring round with great childish eyes i could not catch the old gentleman's glance at all henceforth i learned very little the wind perhaps being unfavourable and all the little i did learn came from my father's lips his patience with me was wonderful we spent most of the day together and when he was forced to leave me i took no food until he returned whenever his horse was ordered miss clara's little grey pony began to neigh and to fidget and miss clara was off in a moment to get her blue riding skirt even when father went shooting or fishing tootie was sure to go too except in the depth of winter and then she was up at the top of the house watching all round for the gun smoke ah uh, why do i linger so over these happy times is it the pleasure of thinking how fondly we loved one another or is it the pain of knowing that we can do so no more now the thirtieth of december was my parents wedding day for i had been born six years exact after their affectionate union and now that i was ten years old a notable hinge on the door of life how much they made to be sure of each other and of me at dinner i sat in glory between them upsetting all ceremony pleasing my father and teasing my mother by many a childish sally so genial a man my father was that he would talk to the servants even on state occasions quite as if they were human beings yet none of them ever took the smallest liberty with him unless it were one to love him before dessert i interred my queen doll with much respect and some heartache under a marble flag by the door which had been prepared for the purpose my father was chief mourner but did not cry to my liking until i had pinched him well after this typical good-bye to childhood i rode him back to the dining-table and helped him and my mother to the last of the west st peter grapes giving him all the fattest ones then we all drank health and love to one another and i fell too in earnest at a child's delight dearest father kept supplying me with things much nicer than are now to be got while my mother in vain pretended to guard the frontier it was the first time i tasted guava jelly and now even at its name the scene is bright before me 
the long high room oak panelled the lights and shadows flickering as on a dark bay horse the crimson velvet curtains where the windows were gone to bed the great black chairs with damask cushions but hard and sharp at the edge the mantelpiece all carved in stone which i was forbidden to kick the massive lamp that would never let me eat without loose clouds of hair dancing all over my plate and then the great fire its rival shuddering in blue flames at the thought of the frost outside all these things and even the ticking of the timepiece are more palpable to me now than the desk on which i write my father sat in his easy chair laughing and joking full of life and comfort with his glass of old port beside him his wife in front and me his clary crops at his knee more happy than a hundred kings he wished for nothing better at one time perhaps he had longed for a son to keep the ancient name but now he was quite ashamed of the wish as mutiny against me after many an interchange a drink for father a sip for tootie he began to tell wondrous stories of the shots he had made that day especially how he had killed a woodcock through a magpie's nest my mother listened with playful admiration i with breathless interest and most profound belief then we played at draughts and fox and goose and pretended even to play at chess until it was nine o'clock and my hour of grace expired three times anne maples came to fetch me but i would not go at last i went submissively at one kind word from my father my mother obtained but a pouting kiss for i wanted to wreak some vengeance but my father i never kissed with less than all my heart and soul i flung both arms around his neck laid my little cheek to his and whispered in his ear that i loved him more than all the world tenderly he clasped and kissed me and now i am sure that through his smile he looked at me with sadness turning round at the doorway i stretched my hands towards him and met once more his loving laughing eyes once more and only once next i saw him in his coffin white and stark with death by and by i will tell you what i know at present i can only feel the emotions away with long words the passions which swept my little heart with equal power rend it now long i lay dumb and stunned at the horror i could not grasp then with a scream as in my fits i flung upon his body what to me were shroud and shell the rigid look and the world of awe such things let stepchildren fear not i when it was my father End of Book One, Chapter One.